0: We continue with the reading of the gospel. You have the words of eternal love. gospel according to the book of Acts. Glory to you, O Lord. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority." Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, the Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All of these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, these first weeks of the uh, this first week after Easter is also known as the pastor's vacation uh, has been one for the history books. First, we didn't take a vacation, Uh, but our kids, I think, are adapting pretty well. Pretty easily, uh, although I think the volume of their voices has increased quite a bit. Uh, This week, our first daughter turned 13, and friends and neighbors and church members joined a parade of vehicles in front of our house, honking horns and wishing her a happy birthday. That was cool. Uh, Three of our kids worked on their online classes to earn their next belt in Taekwondo. That's different, so we can film a video for their testing this week. Three-year-old Jacob has enjoyed playing with water guns in the backyard, but Mrs. Noah and all his buddies. Kids and I watched artists from all around the world perform just for us from their living rooms this week uh, on the Disney Family Sing Along. Did you see that? And last night, I caught just a bit of the uh, One World Together at Home concert. We're starting to hear good news from New York City where fewer people have been hospitalized and fewer are dying as a result of the COVID-19 virus, and yet so many more are suffering. We hear African Americans and Native Americans are being affected by the virus at higher rates than average. Nursing home residents are dying in large numbers, and essential workers are reaching their limits physically and emotionally. People are getting more and more anxious about opening up businesses and public spaces. Maybe you saw this, that residents of Some states in the Midwest are pushing back against the shelter-in-place orders encouraged by politicians. And yesterday, just a few blocks from here, local residents took part in another kind of parade, a protest against the continued closure of schools and businesses here in Las Vegas. High school seniors will likely miss their graduation ceremonies and many of the cherished rites of passages we all remember. Emotions are running high. People are worried. And we wonder what will happen next. So I wanted to think about how do we work through that worry together as God's people? What do we do with our worries, our fear, all that anxiety? How do we cope? Last week, we heard the resurrection account in the Gospel of Mark. And this week, we're moving into the book of Acts, a continuation of Luke's orderly account of the good news. And it's the telling of the story of the disciples who had been through all of this with Jesus and the community that became the church after Jesus ascended to be with the Father. So from the fear and amazement there at the empty tomb, we heard that story last week. The women and Peter, along with the disciples, had to move forward in faith, had to figure out how they would continue to be followers of Jesus in a hostile environment, despite their discouragement and disarray. They'd seen Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. And then he appeared to them. He showed up and proved to them that it was really him. Jesus was back and alive. And if they doubted, they could be sure that Jesus had beaten death. He is risen indeed. They had to wonder then what it was all about. They had to have worried and been afraid of the reaction of the authorities around them. They must have feared for their lives and were together wondering what might happen next. Luke's Gospel is the only one with a sequel, and stay tuned. Unlike most Hollywood sequels, it won't disappoint. This is the story of the Spirit at work in the lives of God's people in the world at large, And Jesus' friends are given a calling, and the good news of the Savior of the world is going to be sent out to all nations. The power of the Holy Spirit is coming to the people from God into the church on earth. And they will be there for the unfolding of the kingdom of God, but they were worried. And we get worried too, don't we? Especially in these difficult weeks. How many has it been six weeks since we've been in this room together to worship? It feels like a long time, and it won't last forever. But this story of the Holy Spirit is a story that we are still living. Craig Kester from Luther Seminary notes that here in this first chapter of Acts, the apostles are under a shelter-in-place order. Jesus ordered them to stay in Jerusalem, to wait, not to leave. Don't we know a little bit about what that feels like? They're waiting unsure of what it all means, unsure of where they're going to go, what's going to happen next. But Jesus has given them a promise of a new kind of baptism, and he calls it the promise of the Father. They would receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We'll get to that story in about six more weeks. I imagine them sitting in that upper room just trying to make sense of it all, trying to understand what Jesus was up to. They thought maybe this could be the time like when David was king and the people were able to live in peace without the threat of the empire. Or maybe it would be more like when Solomon was king and worship was centralized in the temple and God's glory was celebrated anew. Or maybe it would be something else. They were unsure. But Jesus is there and answers their question by saying, it's not for you to know. That's not what this waiting is about. God's in charge of that. It's hidden. Some things remain a mystery still for us to this day. But Jesus does promise that they would receive power from God. The Holy Spirit was coming. They would be witnesses in Jerusalem, in the region, eventually to the whole world. And they had work to do. Then he went up. Yes, Jesus ascended into heaven. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So they're staring up at the clouds, waiting, watching. Suddenly there were two people in white robes. Who were they? Angels? Messengers? Questioning why they were staring up into the sky, and they give this reassurance. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Imagine with me for a minute, Jesus, who was just crucified, just about a month before this, came back, was alive, and now was just lifted into the clouds. And these guys say that he's coming back in the same way. What do you do with that information? I would wonder how long we were supposed to wait. I wouldn't go very far. If this is true, he's coming back down. Well, I like to think anyway that I'd be camped out right there. I'd be worried that I might miss him. But after all that, with so many questions still unanswered, I have to imagine the disciples were afraid, were worried. They were faithful, too. That's important to know. So are we. But we worry, too. In our time, we wonder how to survive. What's the safe thing to do? What's the smart thing to do? What to do next? And how to get through the trials we all face, not just a virus, but also grief, pain, illness, strained relationships, and more. How do we calm our worried minds besides eating and watching Netflix? How do we heal broken hearts? How do we live while we wait to see Jesus come back? How do we work through the worries that we carry during this time? Well, I want to propose that we wait, we create, and we pray. We wait like those disciples waited at the direction of Jesus. They had no doubt stories to tell, places to go, things to do, but they waited in obedience to the Lord. And as we continue to hear the news of the spread of the coronavirus this year, we wait and see what will happen next. What will the next month be like? What will summer be like? Where will we be at Christmas time? We might get impatient. We might feel like our rights are being infringed upon. and We have that urge to get out and push back against the direction to wait. Or maybe you've enjoyed the way the world has slowed down. The pace of life has changed. Some things I've noticed, neighbors come out and greet one another, just happy to see another face. There are fewer airplanes in the sky. I looked up this morning and nothing but blue sky. I've seen more birds, different varieties. Jesus' friends also went outside for a little while. They were allowed to hike up to the uh, Mount of Olives just outside the city. This week, we spent some time outdoors. We went to the Whitney Mesa Nature Preserve on the back side of the bluff just south of Russell Road and Mount Vista. And we saw chipmunks and quail and birds and lizards. And the kids climbed rocks and waded through tall grasses, looked for treasure. It's good for us to wait sometimes. In her book Grounded, Finding God in the World, Diana Butler Bass writes about noticing the place where the earth meets the sky and the sea in Santa Barbara, and taking in the beauty of nature, being reminded that God was there. Many of us like to go out into nature, climb a mountain, see what God is up to in creation. But as we find ourselves taking time to notice the creation around us, we remember that we are part of that creation. And may we be overwhelmed with that sense of thankfulness and feel our worries drift for just a bit as we wait. Yes, we wait and we create. Maybe you've seen the videos of musicians and performers online. Others are taking time away from rushed work weeks to paint, to build, to cook, to write. Others will find nine months from now they've created a new human being. Not me, of course. Maybe historians will call it Generation COVID-19 or the Corona Kids. Maybe you've created space in your home. I've had a lot of calls and people asking if our thrift, short, thrift store, Martin's Mart, is open. They want to bring donations. I've assembled furniture, painted a bathroom, even cut down a dead tree. Yesterday, Ivy and I got to go out and dig in the dirt. We laid some drip irrigation in a planter outside. But I'm sure I'm not the only one doing home projects as the hardware store is just as crowded as the grocery store these days. Yes, I wear a mask when I go there. But working with our hands, creating art, making things, even doing puzzles can take our mind on a journey from focusing on the very real worries that we face and those we make up in our heads to focus on what's right in front of us. Creating puts us in the moment. It's one way where the Spirit is working in us and through us. Pat and Linda and Joanne are sewing. My friend Kevin writes stories. My friend Bobby does drawings. My mom is baking up a storm. The kids took part in an online craft class. Isaac was excited to tell me about a hole he dug. It was impressive. We are part of that creation. We need rest, we need to wait, and we get to create too. We are creative beings. We wait, we create, we pray. There in that upper room, Mary and Jesus' brothers and Peter and the other ten were gathered to pray. How did they pray? They must have prayed as Jesus taught them. They prayed for the needs of the people around them. They prayed for safety and health and peace. They prayed the kingdom would come and that they would be provided with the things that they needed. And they would have prayed through Scripture, through the Psalms and the words of the prophets. Maybe then they would sing hymns and share a meal. Their worship happened right there in that room, in that place where they gathered to remember Jesus and all that he had done and said and taught them. Even through their worries and fears, they found a way to connect, to worship, and pray. They were becoming the church. And so do we. We gather around screens these days. That's okay. We worship worship. We pray for health and peace and patience and kindness and grace and mercy. We pray that we will be together in the same place again to hug and to share handshakes eventually. We don't know what, how far away that day might be. But we trust that Jesus is still showing up in the world around us, showing up in our daily lives, just as he promised. And we will see him. Those two dressed in white, they told the apostles that Jesus would come in the same way as they saw him go into heaven. And maybe we think that means he's going to float down from the clouds. I wonder if it's less about descending from the sky, but that they would see him come unexpectedly, just as he went up. Maybe they would see him in plain sight, just as it was when he ascended into the clouds before their eyes. Or that they would see him come without pretense. Elijah had a whirlwind and a flaming chariot when he went up. Maybe they meant they would see Jesus come just when the time was right. Just as it was that day. Either way, they would see him again. And we believe that we will too. We will see him in the face of those we serve and care for in these difficult weeks. And, of course, in those who care for us. We will see him in the moments we stop to notice his presence in our lives. We will see him in the words of Scripture that give us peace and make us wonder and transform us. Because we've been given a calling, too. And we're called not to worry, but to trust. To become the church. We are the church. The ones who live in the kingdom here and now. We are his witnesses. And we will see him. We will work through our worries to share his story, his glory, and his grace to the ends of the earth. Amen.